Blog Talk Radio. All right, welcome back. Okay, you health renaissance people, today there's going to be a departure. We always talk about health, okay, and we're talking about how you achieve dynamic health, optimal health, how to reverse disease, um, to avoid toxins and, and things in the diet and the world, and talk about what medications actually do, if they're the savior or devil. Today we're going to talk about how healthy is the United States. Now we're not going to just talk about the health of the population. That we've done hundreds of shows on. This one we're going to talk about the food system, healthcare, environment, politics, and infrastructure. Because you got to figure the the health of the population. If you have a sick, diseased, stupid population, the country is not going to be doing well. And in fact, how do you gauge the health of a country? Would, wouldn't you gauge it in comparison to other countries, like say their, how their effect on the environment is, how their food system is, how healthy the people are? Uh, because that's the job of a country. The job of a country is to make sure that they're making a good impact on the world. They're making a positive influence on our planet. They're making a positive influence on their people. And they're ensuring safety and security for their population. Uh, how's America doing? Okay, well, one in two people will get cancer. Uh, one in four deaths will be heart disease. Uh, we have 128,000 people a year dying from the right drug at the right time. 54% of all U.S. children have a chronic illness or disease. I, I mean, <clears throat> you're looking at the right drug at the right time and the right dosage kills 128,000 people a year. Uh, it, I mean, it, it just doesn't make any sense. In fact, when you look at Harvard Medical School and the New England Journal of Medicine, they say no more um, annual physicals. They say do not go to the medical doctor for your annual physical because there's an inverse relationship between the amount of money you spend on health care and uh, your out- actually outcome of the health. Now, I came across this article and it really blew me away. And the title of the article is, Is the United States Still the Best Country in the World? Think again. Now, this was from July 2015 from the uh, University of New York uh, Department of Business Management in the State University of New York, Empire State College. Interesting, because looking at it from a business standpoint, and what they did, and, and let me be very, very clear about this. When I see a title of, is the United States still the best country in the world? I love the idea of America. I mean, it, it's, <clears throat> I mean, granted, when we came to this uh, country from Europe, there was an indigenous population and there was uh, genocidal horrors that were done to um, create what they called manifest destiny, where where the Europeans were going to settle the aboriginals. And, I mean, crimes and everything else. The idea of America, though, uh, is brilliant. It's where we have 
freedom to choose uh, what we do with our lives. We're not indentured servants. Where in Europe they had a more entrenched social and economic levels where you could never rise above your status or station. And America had and still does have a unique aspect of freedom. However, those restrictions are coming in pretty apparent. And as we keep stifling our health care, our population, this article goes in to looking at percentage of people living below the poverty line. How's America doing? How about children living in poverty? How about the medium wealth of a person, gross uh, domestic product per capita? How about the size of the prison population, stability as a nation? And it, it's interesting. They measured 52 different measures uh, out of 33, 133 countries, and they found out that America is 16th. So that means that, that we are not doing the best in the world. I mean, has an idea of independence and freedom and taking care of others. I love the ideas that were that are laid out in the Constitution of the Bill of Rights. However, they're not being enacted on. Uh, we now have a totalitarian society where the government is deciding on your health care. The government is deciding on everything. <clears throat> the entire country is bankrupt. When we look at Medicare and the Social Security system, we have another five to six years before they will be bankrupt. By 2030, uh, the health care cost will be um, beyond uh, what we can uh, pay. I mean, let's just take, okay, and we're talking about uh, costs, okay? Let's, let's look at, say, autism. Okay, autism, when we look at uh, the growth of it, in 1970, it was about 1 in 10,000. Uh, now, 2018, it depends on your point of view, uh, because a lot of countries don't keep autistic standards. In a lot of countries, it's a social stigma. And in other countries, it's a disease of the rich children. So, so there's a whole bunch of different stuff going on. But figure just in the United States, uh, by 2025, okay, it will be 5% of the gross domestic product. It'll be about a trillion dollars a year. <clears throat> so if we're boiling it down, <clears throat> not just in cost um, of emotion, cost of lost work, we're talking just the cost of dealing with autism. And again, we're just looking at autism. We're not looking at cancer or uh, high blood pressure or all the other things that people think are diseases. Just autism Right now, at, well, at 2015, according to this article, it was about $200 billion a year. Um, by 2025, and that's only seven more years, it will be $1 trillion a year, or 5% of the gross domestic product. <clears throat> it's a challenge to figure out the numbers of autism, but you know that's just one of the environmental diseases, and I say environmental because it's not genetic. <clears throat> it, it is absolutely environmental. They know that. There's enough studies on it. Now, vaccines are a contributing or causal factor by a number of different studies, over 100 studies now. 
And also, too, we have glyphosates and toxicity in the water. So that's contributing to it. Um, but also, you look at, say, the Journal of Toxicology and Environmental Health, and this came out June of 2018, so this is pretty recent. They found out that women or girls that were injected with the human papilloma vaccine, this the, was billed as the anti-cancer vaccine, are actually experiencing infertility. Now, when they're injected, they're 9 and 12 years old, so they're not having kids at 9 and 12 years old. But they found out when they hit 20, 25 to 29 years old uh, that they start to have fertility issues. And, and this can be damning. Now, it's interesting what other countries are doing. Colombia, and this was August of last year, they, they <laughs> declared that forced vaccination was unconstitutional according to the Colombian constitution. And so they went, because the HPV vaccine was up, and they said, look, beyond mandating a human papilloma vaccine, um, they said it's unethical um, and affirmed the ethical principle of informed consent to medical risk-taking. Uh, and, and listen to this quote. The state cannot make decisions regarding bodily integrity of its citizens uh, because to do so would violate human dignity. The court stressed that decisions involving medical procedures should ultimately be made by the patients themselves and not the government. And it cautions Columbia's Ministry of Health that it must obtain the informed consent of patients prior to administering vaccines to them. I mean, brilliant. You would think that our Constitution actually does that as well. Uh, well, kind of, but no, it doesn't. Um, because Rutherford versus United States, and this was, was an interesting turn of events. This was the court case that... Uh, kind of decided on the future of healthcare, And I say that because uh, this was done back in 1979. And again, the Supreme Court, just like the Colombian Supreme Court, uh, whose job it is, is to interpret their Constitution or Bill of Rights. Uh, the Supreme Court of the United States, when confronted with is cancer therapies like viable and should we, we be working with them? You know, well, nonetheless, it appears uncontrovertible that a patient has the right to refuse cancer treatment altogether. And should he decide to forego conventional treatment, does he not possess a further right to enlist such non-toxic treatments, however unconventional as he finds to be of comfort, particularly where um, recommended by his physician? So think of that. So according to the United States Supreme Court, that Americans, that you can choose whatever type of medical therapy you want. And this could be for cancer or any other therapy. So this means that you can choose Laetrile. You could choose high-dose vitamin C. You could choose everything. And this would open up natural health in the entire country. <clears throat> this is interesting. The FDA appealed to the Supreme Court and reversed the decision. The Food and Drug Administration, now this is not in our Constitution, that the FDA, because that wasn't even in when the, the Constitution was formed, but that the Food and Drug Administration, which was originally called the Chemistry Board, that they have the right to overturn our Supreme State Court. 
FDA's position that terminal cancer patients must be insured a therapeutic gain, and only the FDA approval can assure such a gain. The opinion has also stated that the FCDA standards do not apply to terminally ill patients, and the FDA could ultimately lose its authority over all drugs. End of quote. So they were upset that you might, uh, that they might lose the power or the control of all the drugs. You know, forget what the people want. This is a whole different world. Now, infant mortality rates, and again, the U.S. is one of the highest in the world. Um, and it's that's what's interesting because when we look at this, infant mortality rates, and um, we have uh, we're 77th in the world for infant mortality rates. Okay. A six out of every thousand babies die before their first birthday, but maternal mortality rates. We're one of the highest of all industrialized nations. Uh, 28 women per 100,000 dying within the first year of the, the giving birth. Now, you could say that <clears throat> it could be that, that U.S. Um, pregnant women are vaccinated more than any other woman on the planet, and they are. Um, you're talking the Tdap or diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis vaccine. Uh, flu shots are regularly given to them. I mean, it's insane. But U.S. for maternal death rates ranks 60 out of 180 countries. Uh, now, it's interesting. When you look at maternal death rates throughout the world, the numbers are different, but the percentages are mind-blowing because there's only two areas in the world that maternal death rates uh, have increased. One of them is sub-Saharan uh, Africa, so that's below the Sahara Desert in Africa. In the other area that maternal death rates are rising are the high-income North America. And then we have non-communicable diseases that, according to the World Health Organization, this will wipe out the economy of most countries. And th these non-communicable diseases are diseases like cardiovascular disease, <clears throat> um, heart disease, cancer, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. I mean, there's a number of different diseases that people... Um, you, you think of this, you can't catch them, you have to earn them. That's right. So these are diseases caused by lifestyle factors or toxicities. Now, <clears throat> according to the World Health Organization, by 2030, by 2030, these diseases will disrupt the world. They will bankrupt the world. So our entire healthcare system by 2030 will be bankrupt. Okay, and this is, we're talking the world. And, and let's just look at cancer, okay? In 1900s, one in 20 people got cancer. So five out of 100. By 1940s, it was one in 16. 70s, it was one in 10. By 2016, it's one in two. Uh, it, 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 cancer is the most expensive illness to treat in the U.S. And in if your fact, you're talking $6 billion dollars um, from taxpayer funds are filed, filed through very federal agencies. But the National Cancer Institute, uh, they say, state that the medical cost of cancer are $125 billion, 
um, projected to increase around 40% to $173 billion in two more years. Now, think of this, the cost of chemotherapy, because insurance doesn't cover all of this. Uh, medium price is about $10,000. Some cancer drugs go for about 35000 a month. Generally, the cost of cancer therapy is over hundred grand a year. Uh, in, in nuts, now only 60% of this money is typically covered by medical insurance. That means that you have to pay a huge deductible, typically at least 50000 <clears throat> So when you look at this, the amount of money spent on research, because they're not looking at the cause. Think of this. They're not looking at the cause of cancer. They're looking to fund and, and treat end-stage diseases, and this is the most expensive aspect. Billions and billions of dollars are spent on it. So, uh, obviously, if we look at the cause of cancer, and <laughs> you know, you're talking Defense Department even spent $150 million for cancer research. Uh, it's time that we look at the cause of cancer. So how is America looking at in children living in poverty? That's right. So out of um, 35 industrialized countries, the United States ranks 34th. Uh, listen to this. Approximately 25%, one in four American children in the United States is living in poverty. That's the highest among all developed nations. Now, their definition is poverty is defined by UNICEF as living in a household that earns less than 50% of the national median income. Now, we're behind all European countries. In fact, we're only above Romania. Now, percentage of the people living below the poverty line, the U.S. ranks 35th out of 157 countries. Uh, and, and when you look at this, the first place with le the least amount of po percentage of the population uh, is Taiwan. You're talking only 1%. Uh, now, the official poverty rate for America <clears throat> in 1964 um, was 19%. It fell down to 12% in 1969, but then it went back up to 14.5% in 2013. Now those numbers would be radically different if we didn't have Social Security. Because <clears throat> before, uh, in 1966, with, without the Social Security, uh, there were 28% of our senior citizens were poor, as opposed to only 9% now because they're getting government funding. Now <clears throat> let's look at the world's healthiest countries. The U.S. ranked 33 out of 145. <clears throat> That's right. And this goes on countries with at least one million people. And <laughs> so, so we're not that healthy. And in fact, when you look at the healthcare system, it has been declared a mess by the Institute of Medicine. And it's nowhere near being the best healthcare system in the way in, in, in the world. In fact, in 2009, it was told that it wasted $750 billion. That's 30% of all healthcare spending wasted. About 75,000 people died in 2005 because of inefficiencies in the healthcare system. Now, even the CDC at the Center for Disease Control says that the entire system is 
um, out of control. Quote, the increasingly unmanageable complexity of the science of healthcare. That's one of the problems. Uh, there's been an explosion of biomedical and clinical knowledge. They also go on to state that the current system doesn't help providers learn this material and it doesn't give them any incentive to apply it. And they say the ever-escalating cost of care, which is widely acknowledged to be wasteful and unsustainable. Uh, I mean, it's crazy. And according to the Institute of Medicine, um, hospitals, health insurances, and, and health providers keep repeating the same mistakes. Nothing is built into the system so that they learn from their mistakes. Uh, that's pretty telling. Uh, according to the CDC's website, quote, limitations in our knowledge of risks associated with vaccines and vaccinations have the following problems. One, limited understanding of the biological processes that underlie adverse events. Two, incomplete and inconsistent information from individual reports. Three, poorly constructed research studies. Uh, not enough people enrolled for the period of time. Four, inadequate systems to track vaccine side effects. And five, few experimental studies are published in the medical literature. So vaccines are kind of tough. Um, and the medical system is kind of tough. And our cancer system is bankrupting the world. So how are we doing in education? According to the Program for International Assessment, okay, and that's called PISA, PISA, uh, the U.S. ranked 26th in math compared to 64 different countries, but we also have massive declining of our SAT scores. Uh, the U.S. was 17th in reading, 21st in science, um, 26th in math, compared to 60, uh, 64 different countries. And our SAT scores from uh, 2006 to 2015 are massively falling down. Okay, Now, it's interesting that 19 of the top 25 colleges in the world are in this country, in America. <clears throat> However, um, the real question is, how well do American college graduates do when compared to college graduates from other countries? Well, American college graduates, okay, and we're talking at everything, uh, mediocre when it comes to literacy, 16th place out of 23 countries in adult literacy, 21st place in adult numeracy, 14th place in problem solving. And that's out of, you know, the top 23 countries. Now, stability. How stable is our economy? How stable is our safety? I mean, surely we've got to be in the top five. No, we're number 20 out of 178 countries. So that when it, they talk about stability or fragile states index, now this was published by the U.S.-based uh, Fund for Peace. <clears throat> Russia is at number 65, India is at 70, China is at 92, but America is 20th behind Slovenia, Singapore, United Kingdom, Portugal, Belgium. So, okay, so we're not that stable. Uh, what about the middle class? How high is the median wealth per adult? The U.S. ranks 27, 27th in the world. And, and we're talking behind Australia, Luxembourg, Japan, Belgium, Switzerland, Denmark, Taiwan, Spain, 
behind Ireland, behind New Zealand, behind Sweden, behind Cyprus. The median income for or wealth for America is 38000 a year. Uh, the median household income, so that's the median wealth. The household income in America um, in 2014 was $53,000. However, uh, the Great Recession in 2007, it's still 4.8% uh, lower than that. And the median income of America is still 5.9% below its January 2000 level. So our income in 18 years has actually declined. Broadband speed, we're 16th out of 34 countries. One thing we are doing amazing in is prison population. We have the highest percentage of population and the highest number of people in jails. Uh, we are more than 2.2 million people in jail the first out of 224 countries, the highest prison population in the world. And we're ahead of China, Brazil, Russia, India, Thailand, Indonesia, everything. So where's all this money going? Well, if you look at meat, let's say you go to the store, you buy a pound of hamburger. <clears throat> now, when you buy that pound of hamburger, the government is funding the um, processing and the production of this through concentrated feeding operations or the, the agricultural industrial complex. See, if the government wasn't help subsidizing the meat industry, that pound of hamburger would cost $90. That's right, but since we're subsidizing it through concentrating animal feeding operations and through government grants, uh, that burger is really, really low. However, it takes 13 pounds of grain to produce one pound of meat. So this is living in uh, a world that the production of food isn't thought of in its impact in the environment. 13 pounds of grain, how many pound barrels of oil, how many um, gallons of water, all of which, are the water resource, the oil resource, all of this is um, going away. I mean, if you figure more than 70% of all the grain of and cereals that we grow in this country are fed to farm animals. It, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. When you hear the, the E. coli outbreak in spinach, that's because they're spraying untreated waste on this, on, on our plants. So what do we do? Well, for one, we are living an infinite, expansive lifestyle in a finite world. Our actions have to be thought of in the long term. What do we do? What, what are our actions today? What, what's going to happen two generations, three generations, or seven generations down there? So first, we've got five things that we have to clean up. Number one, we clean up the food system. Then we clean up the healthcare system. Then we clean up the environment. We make sure politics is completely revamped, and then we take care of the infrastructure. So when we talk about cleaning up the food system, healthy farming practices using healthy soil practices. So we're going to eliminate the concentrating animal feeding operations and subsidies, eliminating monocrops. Uh, so that means that Monsanto and the chemical fertilizers are going to start to go away. Um, forget subsidizing the environmental for its destructive practices and look at the food quality and the, uh, the environmental uh, impact of the farming practices will guide the decisions. Then we clean up health care. 
Number one, you're free to choose your medical procedures. That means vitamins or vaccines, uh, medical education. The pharmaceutical industry will be responsible for its products. They'll be funding independent research for all medications and vaccines, not research with an agenda. That's going to make a huge difference. Then the environment. We have to look at energy efficiency in farming. We've got to break away from the petroleum-based energy, and we have to look at the health of the soil, air, and water. Politics. We've got to, this is going to force the politicians to run the country efficiently. Balanced budget, affordable campaigns, okay? Um, a, a defensive military, not offensive. We're going to increase local control of education, health. That's going to de-escalate the massive overbearing um, government. Uh, the infrastructure, we need to take care. And you've got to figure, the savings that we would spend on the military and the government subsidies of, of toxic farming practices, we can invest in the water system, the transportation, the energy, start to develop wind, solar, tide. We, are, we got oceans on two sides of our country. We could turn that into power generating. Um, that's non-toxic. I encourage you, this is going to be one of the most powerful talks we give because we're looking at the infrastructure. We are rearranging the check chairs on the Titanic. We have to pay attention to what we're doing, what our actions are doing now and in the future. That means choose the car that's, that's a biodiesel. Choose your food that's organic and healthy. Um, make the choices for your family that, that will extend their life and give them activity. Think about your kids and grandkids and great-grandkids for the choices that we make today are going to affect their lives immediately. We can take back our world, and if we don't, the world will not. The world will be here, but we won't. So it's time to take back our health, take back our government, take back our 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 vitality, our independence. This is Dr. John Bergman. God bless you, and I love you. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.